everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. Before we get going with today's guest today, I just wanted to invite everybody, if you like what you've heard over the course of the past year, please like or subscribe to our YouTube channel and our different venues. We certainly appreciate your support and your time. So with that being said, I want to get into today's show, and today we're going to start to unravel the mystery of PMI. And I'm happy to say we have Mr. Steve Wacker today from Magic. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Thanks for the invite. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Now, Steve, you run the state of New Jersey for Magic. I do. MJC is a Milwaukee, Wisconsin-based company. Okay. Uh, and I cover the state of New Jersey for them in the field sales business development side. Now, one thing that I know is anywhere that I've ever worked from a mortgage company standpoint, you're always my rep and Magic's always one of the mortgage company, mortgage insurance uh, companies. These guys always try to lose me, but I'm always going to find you. you yeah, know? you're slippery. You always yeah. find your way back always, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, geographically, we cover the, I cover the state. Right. So, uh, yeah. Now, I want to just get into a little bit at how in the world did you end up in the mortgage insurance or PMI industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's going back ways at this point. Um, well, I think probably like a lot of us in the mortgage industry, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't graduate from college and jump right into the industry as a whole. Um, I, my, my education was in the sciences. And so okay. the first nine and a half years of my, you know, gainfully employed career, I was in the science, sciences. Were you like a biologist or something? Well, close. I was, uh, I was a chemist. Oh, right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So my graduate, postgraduate education is in the sciences. However, about four or five years into that, and I think some people who might be listening to this podcast today can relate. You know, I had student loans that I had borrowed for because, you know, I raised by a single parent. We couldn't afford, you know, pay for that tuition at the time. And sure. tuition today is just, you know, crazy. Outrageous. So I became a licensed originator. I looked for something that gave me some flexibility, part-time, second job. And what I originated and made in income mm -hmm. as a licensed originator while doing my full-time job as a chemist. Right. I, pay, I, I took that and committed to paying off my student loans, which occurred for you know, over four or five year period. I was able to pay it down to nothing. And when did you make the switch over into yes. uh, PMI, working so, for Magic? Yeah, so I mean, you know, nine and a half years into the sciences, I was kind of feeling like I wanted to get out more, see more things, do more things, not be put into an office space and do the office work. Why not? That's so much fun. Uh, I know, I know. So I just, love cubicles. It's why I do what I do today, right? So I, I like changing environment and sure. diversity. And and so I was going to accept a job with, to be honest with you, Hewlett Packard Agile Technologies at the time doing okay. sales up and down the East Coast. But, you know, I was kind of got cold feet at the last minute after actually leaving my position. And I was tired of it anyway, um, only because I was living on the Gold Coast of what they call Gold Coast of New Jersey at the time, uh, or uh, now. Which having fun, having fast fun. and loose. Let's go, baby. Fast and loose, single. And uh, yeah, I mean, I decided that that wasn't, you know, wasn't really wanting to live out of a suitcase in, in, a, in a, you know, a courtyard in Marriott sure. down the East Coast. So I said, well, you know what? What else do I know? And I just gave a loan officer full-time uh, opportunity, you know, on it. So mm -hmm. from that point, I started originating loans and here we are, you know, 23 years later, full time. I'm still in the industry. Um, I spent about six years originating loans. Okay. Uh, very, you know, loan originator, sales manager type environment. And then. Uh, and that's important because it's important for you to understand the loan end of it in the consumer end of it, right? So you understand, you know, what's important to the consumer, what's important to the loan officer with the PMI product and why it's so valuable. Yeah, I think MJC puts a, a pretty large focus on understanding your customer. Right. And you know, I'm in a business to business 
position, sales position, right? I need to understand, Greg, what you do and what your challenges are. So having that background, many of us that work for MGIC have mortgage backgrounds or mortgage professionals in mm -hmm. some way, shape, or form. It could be an underwriter, processor, it could be housing and finance agency people. I mean, we all have different backgrounds. Sure. But understanding the customer helps us understand your challenges. Right, makes um, sense. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I just, one day someone came industry-wide, came over to me and said, you know, JC's got an opening. I know you mentioned a while back that you were, you know, maybe you thought business to business might be a nice avenue to look at in the future. And, sure. Yeah. You know, next thing yeah. I know, I'm here 17 years. And here we are. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, you know, so we were talking a little bit off air about PMI. And the perspective from the consumer at times is that PMI or private mortgage insurance is some sort of a penalty, right? I got to pay this additional amount of money because I'm putting down less than 20%. And although I understand where people are coming from, I don't think what people are understanding is without PMI, there's no way to buy a house without 20% down. And could you just talk a little bit about the history of PMI and how it comes to be? Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to do that, Greg. I mean, thank you, Steve. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, <laughs> hey, listen, that's one of the major misconceptions. You know, yeah. I, I do still speak to, you know, home buyers today. I speak to salespeople. Um, you know, no one wants to pay mortgage insurance when they buy their home. They also don't want to pay interest on their loan. I'd love to get the house for free, right? So, right. I mean, these are mechanisms yeah. or tools uh, to get you into a home. You know, at the end of the day, mortgage insurance exists, and it's the history behind MGIC, to be honest with you. I mean, MGIC is the legacy company of the MI industry. They're the first MI company? They are. First mainstream, uh, okay, could, really. Founded in 1957 by wow. an attorney out of Milwaukee whose name was Max Carl, okay. who realized that, hey, these, all these savings and loans couldn't lend above ADLTV or 20% down payment, right? and the only other insurance out there was government insured. Right. And they wanted to introduce private capital and began MGIC as a PMI company. So prior to that, the only option for the consumer to purchase a home with less than 20% down is really kind of VA or really FHA. That's the really product. So that's, you could not do a conventional mortgage without 20% down. At, at that time, yes, correct. Huh. And wow. obviously it's very popular today to do that. So, sure. you know, so from, from an investor side, people's misconception is it's only it only benefits the lender. Right. Uh, and it is. It's a financial guarantee, a credit enhancement. And we could speak further about how that works. But yeah. at the end of the day, what I see is it's a mechanism, a tool for somebody, like you mentioned, to be able to get into a house sooner rather than later. Sure. Um, rather than try to save up for a 20% down payment. And, you know, if you kind of roll back the clock and said, if a PMI didn't exist, how would the market look? How would the real estate market look? You know, it, it would change drastically here. I, I mean, candidly, we wouldn't be sitting here talking. Because it, w a, it wouldn't be an industry that you would be in. And me, from an origination standpoint, over 25 years, I mean, there's a decent percentage of people that are putting down less than 20% and they have PMI. So I want to dive into the PMI aspect of it, Steve. Okay. So what exactly does PMI insure? When a PMI policy, and it's an insurance policy, yep. is put in place, it insures, it's a financial guarantee for the lender or investor making the loan. And right. so... Maybe a good example here to use very simplistic terms is if a purchase, someone was purchasing a home and was going to finance $100,000, mm -hmm. right? Not really realistic in New Jersey, but realistic in other parts of the country. Right. In but 1957. For, Got yeah, it. Yeah, that's okay. But ease of, expo <laughs> ease of explanation here, $100,000 loan. Let's say it was a 10% down loan, so it needed PMI. Right. So $110,000, $111,000 purchase price. Typically, the agencies or the, the, the end investor community requires a 25% coverage. Mm -hmm. And all that really means, Greg, is 
MGIC is insuring the top 25% of that loan. Okay. So the lender or investor making that loan who's loaning out $100,000 to complete that transaction, it's his, his or her exposure, or the lender's exposure is now 75000 Okay. Because in the amount of, in in of default or foreclosure, because the borrower wasn't able to make their payment for whatever reason that might be, MGIC gets a claim filed by that servicer and ultimately will send them a check to make them partially whole or whole. I mean, that's... And it will insure them up to 25%, but it's real... So when someone files a claim, do they get the whole 25% or is it something that's kind of back... Like a true insurance product or you're well, trying to I, figure it out? It, it, I'm simplifying it here. And of course, yeah. it's not the consumer is getting the check. It's the right. end investor because they're huh. taking title to the property because the borrower defaulted on the loan. But there's attorney fees and interest accrual and some other factors involved in that. But at the end of the day, that lender feels comfortable lending at 75000 where they would not have felt comfortable at 100000 okay. without mortgage insurance and or PMI. And that's why they make the loan. But it also allows the borrower to get in with 10% down because in that same scenario, that borrower may not have had another ten grand to put into the home. Mm-hmm. Maybe that borrower would have taken five, six, seven years to save up that money. Right. And in doing so, they lose 5 10% appreciation, even 3 or 4%. You do the math. Yeah, great it's, point. It's an equity builder, you know, a wealth builder for, through equity. Now, I'm going to break that down for our professionals out there listening. So there's different, you had brought up 25% uh, PMI insurance required with 10% down. So if you put down 5%, it's 30%. And if you put down 15%, it's 12%. And just to, to be clear on that, so if I put 5% down, that means that we're insuring, in your $100,000 example, 30000 right? So it's uh, 70000 the bank's on the hook for. Correct. Okay. That's yeah. great. And that's why the premiums are higher the lower the down payment that you make. That's correct. Yeah. Wow, this is all clarity. Nick, are you writing this stuff down? This is great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all I, right. it's important, Greg, to understand that, you know, historically, data suggests... And it's always, you know, from all different resources. In fact, I just saw a report from the Urban Institute in January. You know, the higher um, higher default rates on mortgages occur on the lower down payment loans. Yeah, it makes sense. And so the higher, the less money down, less skin in the game, the higher default rate. So that is why the investor community requires PMI. Right. Uh, but I keep going back to saying that this is a vehicle for a home buyer to get in sooner than, rather than later, enjoy home ownership, and build wealth through equity. And yeah. that that's... That's clear uh, as far as how much wealth you can build mm. getting into your home in your 30s versus maybe waiting to your 40s or, or late 40s to do so. Sure. You know what? I want to just talk about MI premiums uh, in a second, PMI premiums, because there's such a difference. You've been in the industry 17 years. I've been in it for 25 years. And when 2008 hit, premiums skyrocketed, right? Because there was so much default for everybody. And I've seen since that time that the rates have went down pretty considerably. I mean, if you have really good credit and you're putting down 10%, it's not that expensive. No, I mean, Greg, that's a great point. Uh, today's mortgage insurance environment, different the way it's priced in premium relative to what it was back in the days you're mentioning the housing crisis. Right. Um, today's environment is what we would consider risk-based pricing. Okay. Right? Technology is able to get the EMI industry there. So higher risk markets are going to have a higher price. The lower, better performing risk markets are going to have the lower price. And that also applies to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Better credit, lower debt to income, the better variables on the loan. Those premiums are going to be lower lower cost for the consumer because the consumer is less risk in that so, transaction. But yes, the yeah. pricing on, on the housing crisis days, 
as I mean, skyrocketed. We, sure, I but mean, no one left. A lot of companies went out of business, right, Steve? Sure. I mean, there were six MI companies at the time that housing crisis occurred, and only three survived. Wow. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot to that from a capital position to mm-hmm. understand that these insurance companies, we are an insurance company, I'm an insurance producer, mm. although I'm a mortgage professional, I'm an insurance producer, my license in insurance. Sure. Um, you know, we have to have capital to make sure we survive those cyclical events. Yeah, like any insurance product. Uh, absolutely. Um, but yes, it is inexpensive for the better quality borrowers to get into homes, and it's really something that should be looked at, and people should can, you know, speak to their mortgage professionals on it. You know, you had just mentioned something a few minutes ago about market, the market that you're in, and that can impact your rate, right? So different pockets in different parts of, the, of a state or country could be higher risk categories than other marketplaces? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, going back to the days where it was not risk-based pricing yeah. for the mortgage insurance industry and world, mm-hmm. uh, the price was more static, right. right, among the MI companies in general. Uh, and so, therefore, there wasn't a lot of variation. It was primarily how much did you put down and what was your credit. Right. But today's environment has changed. And so, lots of factors. I mean, basically, anything that's put on a 1003 can be looked at from a risk-based perspective and priced into the mortgage insurance offering. Yeah, um, that, and that makes sense. You know, it could be it's regionally different, and credit obviously impacts your cost of PMI, mm-hmm. uh, as does... What, your debt-to-income ratio impacts it? What are some of the other things that impact it, impact it Steve? Yeah, I mean, debt-to-income and credit, down payment, which is coverage, uh, those are three major ones. But, yeah. you know, if you're a first-time home buyer or if you have a bankruptcy in the past or, you know, if there are multiple borrowers on an application or maybe geography or concerns in certain markets, I mean, uh, you know, all those types of things, like I said, anything that's really on that 1003 can be priced into a mortgage insurance offering. Sure. Now, I think in general... You know, outside the major two or three categories, DTI, credit, down payment, and the rest of the stuff is kind of minor with regards mm-hmm. to pricing differences, right, for the for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think, although risk-based pricing started four or five years ago for as the industry as a whole, things have tightened up a bit where, you know, all the MIs are pretty much looking at credit risk the same. Yeah. But, you know, they're trying to price a loan on a price-to-perform basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, they're trying to pr- produce a premium for every consumer that buys that type of scenario, sure. or is in that type of loan scenario, and make sure that we're collecting premium enough to pay claims in the future. And that's yeah. how it works. And you know, and I just want to kind of reiterate that one more time. So PMI is an insurance product. And to the consumer out there, everyone else, this isn't a way that banks make more money or they're not arbitrary numbers that you're being charged. It's no different than if you're getting insurance on anything. You know, relative to your individual profile is going to dictate that cost of insurance. And when you look at something like credit, credit's a really big risk factor when you're doing something like PMI is tied directly to mortgage and your ability to repay. You know, just like if your credit's not strong, you're going to pay a higher rate on a credit card. You're going to pay a higher rate on a car. Like, it's just the way that it is. It's not an effort to make more money. It's to insure it and make sure you have the reserves for projected default rates that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a great point. I think a, a great example on actually how mortgage insurance went from a very static price mm. based on just certain tranches or channels of price uh, for credit and down payment was life, life insurance. Life insurance right. is actuary in nature. That's kind of what was brought into the mortgage insurance industry relative to loan performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so more information, technology makes it easier, more granular, that's that's yeah. in my pricing today. So I, personally, I think it's never been 
any less expensive than it is yeah. now for borrowers with really good credit. Speaks to the people that do the right thing there. And then of course, you know, for those who aren't as good at credit, there are other alternatives to to PMI if that's what your mortgage rate originator yeah. is suggesting, whether it be FHA or VA. And mm-hmm. those are also insured products, right? right? So you look at the industry as a whole, there's mortgage insurance is a widely used term. I ref, I represent MJC, which is the private conventional agency, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac uh, loans, conventional sure. loans, which require PMI. But you got FHA and they got their own insurance premiums. Right. You got VA and they have their insurance premiums. Yeah. So you know, all of it needs credit enhancement and protection so that you can make the loans with lower down payments. Yeah, makes perfect, perfect sense, Steve. Now, here's a question that I get all the time. So someone is needs PMI, they're putting down 10%. How do I remove that? And I got my answer that I give to, to the consumer, but does the mortgage insurance company, do they have anything to do with the removal of PMI? Yeah, so one of the most common questions I get even from mortgage originators, uh, some that are newer in the industry, because uh, it's a bit convoluted of an answer, mm-hmm. uh, but I can simplify it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so, we like simple. Yeah, I'm a I mean, simple so guy. Steve. Right. Keep Let's it simple. just keep it straightforward. <laughs> matter of fact, you know. Um, yeah, I think you know. Bottom line is, here's the misconception that I get a lot: MGIC or any other MI company has nothing to do with the cancellation of mortgage insurance policies. So once the loan is closed. We, we'd like for you to put it on and use it because that's our product, that's our right. revenue. We have nothing to do with it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Cancellation, though, and that's one of the benefits of what I call this a great product that lets a borrower get into a home sooner rather than later is that it's cancelable, right? Yeah. At least with private mortgage insurance. Right. It may not necessarily be the case with FHA today and mm-hmm. some others. So just to clarify that. Sure. But yeah, I mean, we can go into how it's cancelled. Uh, I usually look at it, Greg, as two different ways to simplify it. Um, the first is, you know, legislative in nature, and that's the Homeownership Protection Act. Yep. And that applies to one unit primary residence only. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it applies to all loans, regardless of who owns the asset, whoever services it, it doesn't matter. Uh, and what that is, is there's no seasoning requirement. Yeah. It addresses that my cancellation. Yep. Um, because there's no seasoning requirement, that loan has to be paid down to an 80 LTV off the original value of the now, now Steve does it have to be paid down to 80 or 78 percent yeah so good question this is where things get yeah. confused it, it can be paid down after closing to 80 at any time mm-hmm. and the borrower needs to initiate cancellation with their current servicer of record. right but at 78 percent borrower needs to do nothing it will automatically terminate all right so I'm gonna reiterate that because it's, and I get the question all the time as yeah. well. So first of all, after the Consumer Protection Finance Bureau, Dodd-Frank, all of that after the crash, there's no minimum amount of time that you have to keep PMI. Where years ago there, there was, but there's no minimum amount of time that you have to keep it. You can kill it once you have 20% equity in the property. You can remove it, but you have to reach out to the loan servicer to have that conversation. And then you can re- remove the PMI either through a reduction in principle, an increase in value, or a combination of both. Yeah, so the important part of the Homeownership Protection Act, it yep. doesn't, does not address new appraised value. Okay. So it always works off the original value. Interesting, okay. So the most recent transaction done, lower of the two, right, if it was a purchase or if it was a refinance, so original value. So if you start off as a 10% down loan, you need, to, you need to pay it down from 90 to 80 off the original value. Mm. Now, it can be done, you know, I look at scenarios like somebody who doesn't want a contingency on a purchase. They hold on to their 
primary residence, buy another residence, and then they they plan to sell their property within six months, and they're going to gain equity out of that sale. Right. They could take those funds from that sale and pay down their loan to eighty, yep. and request MI cancellation. That's that's a great point on it. So if it's so if you use the original purchase price, once you're at twenty percent equity, you can eliminate the PMI. However, if you're trying to use a combination of uh, reduction in principal, increase in value, either independently or increase in value independently, or combination of reduction in principal and increase in value, is there a minimum time you have to hold that PMI? Yeah. So what I just mentioned to you as far as no seasoning and using original value and paying it down to 80 and actively pursuing re removal or letting it get to 78 and have it automatically terminated that's Homeownership Protection Act. Yep. However, there are investors and community banks and the agencies that allowed to be allow for a difference of removing MI being more flexible than that. Of course, that always applies to all loans. Sure. So the agencies have addressed new appraised value. So right. they recognize that, you know, after a couple of years you might have significant amount of equity in a in a home. So they so to your point here, yeah. If you have a if you're originator, if you're a consumer listening to this and your originator tells you you have an agency loan or a Fannie Mae or a Fannie Mac owned loan. They say you can use a appraised value, current appraised value, a 75 LTV with two years of seasoning. Okay. So 24 timely payments. It's important to know that. Yep. Because if you're not paying on time, you can, you can, probably, dismiss, you can probably dismiss the idea of canceling your amount. Oh, and too late. You didn't pay on time. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, you know, no second Which liens. Which makes sense. No second way. liens yeah. and no depreciating right. part of that property. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, in those situations, I would tell consumers if I was the loan originator, hey, in two years, we can look at a refinance. But if that refinance doesn't make sense, you pay 24 timely payments. If you feel you have a 75 LTV, contact your servicer. They may charge you for an appraisal or an evaluation mm -hmm. of some sort for your property. And if you have a 75 LTV, you can request cancellation of your mm -hmm. insurance. That's a great point. All right, so if, we're, if you have a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, and you want to use an increase in value, appreciation in value. You have to be in it for two years to be able to use that value. And you need a 75% LTV. That's correct. Perfect. That's crystal clear. Right? I mean, it's not so bad. It's not that hard. Right. I know that. <laughs> well, I, you know. But it's important for people to be able to articulate this up front, especially a loan originator, to be able to articulate this to the prospective buyer because it's important that people understand everything right out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, Greg, is yeah. exactly this conversation for originators to try to better understand and consult them on how to appropriately address that. You know, MJC offers lots of really great collateral that's both for the consumer and for the professional. So yep. that addresses this. So I recognize it's not something that's top of mind. Yep. The salespeople, but it's a top of mind question for the consumer. Okay. And that's PMI policies. So. And then I'm going to move on to a couple other questions. I think sure. this is just very important. So I just want to reiterate those three scenarios really quickly. Sure. So if you have PMI, your PMI is automatically removed once you have 78% loan to value or 22% equity in the property. If you want to use an increase in value to eliminate your PMI, you have to be in that home for two years to use that value, and you have to have 25% equity in the property. If you are just reducing the principal, I closed on a house last week, I wanna put it towards uh, my new mortgage that I just had taken out, because I wanna do it non-contingent. You can do that at any time, 80% loan to value, 
20% equity in the property. And request cancellation. And request the cancellation. Great. Thanks for clarifying all that, Steve. That's great. So what are the different types of PMI? Uh, You can pay it monthly, right? You pay it up front. There's all sorts of different things you can do. There are, Greg. I mean, we have, you know, not to get into great detail on uh, on what we call premium product types Mm. and MI solutions, um, because that's what we try, or I try as an an account manager at MJC to help people understand. When I say people, I mean loan officers. Sure. Better consult them on, here are the options you have when it comes to private mortgage insurance. Can they, is it better for the borrower to pay it as a monthly, pay as you go, if you will? and then remove it by through cancellation. Or maybe that bar is sensitive to, or you got a debt to income issue, they're sensitive to a housing expense, cash flow. Maybe they have extra funds. They want to mm-hmm. pay all their mortgage insurance up front. Well, they can do that as well. Right. And what we would call a single premium. And then there's blends in between of that, where they pay partial up front and partial on a monthly basis. So I would always, and then there's also another product where they call lender paid MI. Right. It might be disclosed as such to that. Understand from a consumer standpoint, the lender is paying on behalf of yourself. Yeah. The private mortgage insurance still being applied to that loan for saleability purposes. Yeah. And you bring up a great um, point with that. So all lender paid PMI is, is, you, is the lender is now paying the single premium PMI to the mortgage insurance company. That's correct. That They're not self-insuring it. No. Self-insuring right. is something different. I mean, self-insuring truly is somebody who's making a loan and it's not very common Mm. And it's really mostly common with the small community banks of the world right. um, where they're just doing a loan above 80 for other reasons, for business reasons and taking more risks than they probably would like to mm-hmm. um, and doing a loan above 80. But, you know, those are few and far between the, you know, secondary market is primarily, you know, uh, insured business. So, Steve, what's generally the break even on that? And to clarify the question, so you, ha- you can have monthly PMI and then you have single premium PMI. Where is the break even where you would have made up that single premium at the monthly payment? Well, it's uh, it's a number you could always do. Yeah. Right. So you could just, you just add, do the math. You could do the math. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, a monthly premium is, you know, divide, you know, times it by 12 and that's your annual. And sure. then how many, you know, how many annuals equals in addition when you add up three or four. Sure. It's going to equal to the amount you're paying up front. Um, so so there's know, no standard equation behind well, the I scenes. Well, I mean, you know, if I had to throw a, you know, Pin a tail on a donkey, if you will. <laughs> Take a swing be, at the pinata. Yeah, it might be four years, four and a half years. <laughs> you got years. young kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it might be four years, five years. Yeah, I mean, okay. part of that, Greg, is ch- it's an ever-changing and evolving number because, mm. uh, you know, in our side of the MI industry, uh, we have persistency. How long do policies la- stay in force? And sure. So there's things involved in what we see from the general cancellation and runoff perspective. Yeah. So, that number kind of changes, but that's what the loan originator does, right? right. They will present multiple options for, I hope to think they'll do this, yeah. um, all both options for the consumer and say, here's your here's your break-even standpoint. And if you stay in the house for six years and you take a monthly, you may have taken a little bit more out of your account to pay yeah. for MI if you couldn't cancel it. Yeah. But in those six years, you might come across two years of seasoning and a 75 LTV and had canceled it. Right. In which case, then you would have paid more upfront and you need it to. No question. That's where all the education needs yeah. to be done up front. I mean, you keep keep in mind with people that your average annual appreciation of a home since 2000 is about 4.4% in New Jersey. Since 1991, it's like 4.7%. So you kind of want to factor that in with deciding whether or not you're going to pay the single paid premium. The benefit of the single paid premium, and again, just to clarify, if you pay the lump sum up front and now PMI is not factored into your monthly payment, is it just gives you a reduction in payment 
as compared to carrying the PMI in today's rising interest rate environment, it could be a potential option for somebody. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you've got some regulatory restraints behind that, mm -hmm. you know, from the points and fees. And the, uh, for those who are professionals in the industry know that, yeah. that may limit you in those regards. But in this market, uh, especially here in New Jersey, locally, it's really not a, a, as big an issue that it is maybe out in the Midwest, with smaller loan amounts. Because things are so expensive here. Yeah, things are so expensive, yeah. so 3% goes a long way. Right, right. <laughs> um, but to your point, yeah, I mean, I think it's really dependent upon what loan officers really do very well, right? I hope to think, and that is ask the appropriate questions for the consumer as to what their goals are over the next three to five to seven years and offer them the you know, options that best fit their, yeah. you know, what they plan to do. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more on that, Steve. So I've noticed there's usually, there's a, about six different companies that you ever see in the PMI industry. It's kind of standard on the origination standpoint. And I've noticed over time that different companies, depending on the credit profile or the debt to income ratio, they have different pricing. And I've also noticed there's some sweet spots with it, right? Where some companies may be willing to take more risk at a lower premium. What drives all that? in the industry from your perspective? <clears throat> I mean, that goes back to our conversation earlier, right, yeah. Greg, that each MI company has a set of data. MJSC has a set of data dating back to 57 that we can look at and dissect regarding performance in every market condition we've ever seen. Right. And then we're going to try to price our premium to perform. Yep. Um, but it, but that's, not a, that's not a number that universally we're all going to have the same view on. So right. every MI company has a different version based on their data that they've had. Really, when I say data their insurance and force, what they've experienced over the years they've been writing business. Right. So you're going to get in the risk-based pricing environment some variations to that. And once in a while, you might find a sweet spot where one of my right. company says, you know, we're pricing this and they look it looks more attractive. That's, right. that's a great tool for the mortgage, the loan officer to, you know, understand that, hey, this is a great deal for the, yeah. for the, for the consumer. Um, but I would tell you, though, that Generally speaking, it's insurance. Yeah. Right. So no one likes to be the lowest price in any sector of loans yeah. for any given period of time, yeah. especially for a long period of time. So, you know, it's an evolving, ever changing market that can change on a daily basis, even. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And even when I compare it to interest rates in the mortgage industry, everything, you know, I say a sweet spot, but it's such a marginal difference, right? You know, it's everyone's kind of in the, in the same ballpark on it for the most part. I would say that's where we are today. Right. Uh, even with the risk-based pricing environment. But, you know, when markets change, like we had with COVID, where forbearance is what we consider defaults, because right. forbearances are technically defaults, that uh, requires mortgage insurance companies to re uh, require more capital for writings or new policies, um, hmm. pricing gets adjusted. Every MI company is going to think about how that's going to affect them differently. Therefore, it's built into the wow. Price I did. Offering. I did not know that. So forbearance, you could still they could still trigger the policy if someone goes into a forbearance where you have to pay. What did you do when forbearances became common during COVID? Was there like a waiver on that? Well, I mean, we follow the agencies and do okay. everything we can as their counterparty, you know, major counterparty, um, to help them with that. But the, at the end of the day, a default is a default, and those are reported as default in many cases. Right. Uh, I think MJC's executive team felt pretty comfortable that even though they're being reported as defaults and we're having to set aside capital, yeah. you know, capital intensive industry we're in, um, I think we felt pretty good that it would mm -hmm. work itself out. Sure. Job stability, things of that nature that were, the market looked pretty good still if we got through the COVID issue. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're obviously much better today than we were uh, a couple of years ago, 
with yeah. regards to our default inventory in that regard. But yeah. and, you and you got to be with a stable organization for with mortgage insurance. Just thinking about it from a lender standpoint. I mean, imagine we're in the midst of the crash. The market's falling apart. People are going into foreclosure. People aren't paying their mortgages back in 2008, 9, and 10. The mortgage insurance company goes out of business. Well, now you're on the hook. Yeah, I mean, right? well, I mentioned earlier that three out of the six MI companies didn't survive the housing right. crisis. At that time, and not to get into great detail, but you know, the regulating agencies, we are a regulated business, they used a ratio called risk to capital. Right. And that risk to capital gets up, up to a certain number and your, your state regulator basically says you can no longer write business. And right. that's what happened to three of the six. Now, wow. IBC, a couple others, you know, it, wasn't, well, it didn't look so good there for, you know, probably a few quarters if sure. our executive team was on this podcast today. But, you know, we survived. Uh, today, it's handled a little bit differently. It's uh, what they call PMIRs, which is just another way or more, a different way of looking at capital requirements for all the MI providers. Right. To make sure that in another housing crisis like we had back in 08 or 09, uh, we'll be able to pay all our claims mm -hmm. dollar for dollar because some of those that didn't make it and survived that were paying 50 cents on the dollar right. for an IOU type environment. So to, you know, to, to you know, conceptualize it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's real, it's real. It's why yeah. lenders are able, you know, willing to make loans with 3%, as little as 3% down. Right. Because they want to know that that MI provider is going to be there at times where people lose their jobs or it's can't critical okay. to the process, like behind the scenes. And this is what the consumer or even the agents or even a lot of times the loan officers do not see. This is critical behind the scenes. Critical. It's critical to make sure that you're going to have the solvency moving forward and you're partner with the right company. Yeah. I mean, that's why you look at MGIC and, 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 you know, we're, I think we're the leading mortgage insurance provider from a capital position above P Myers. Right. Okay. So we, we, we believe in that. We believe we're conservative in that regard. Monoline company. Right. This is what we do. And we've lived through this. We've lived through a few of these. Now, right. I have not lived through a few of these, but I lived through that one. Right. You know, there was, at that time, restrictions for me to do business in New Jersey because we had to limit our ability to write new business. Mm. Um, and in New Jersey, high-cost markets, that can be impacted. Sure. But we had to make sure we had enough capital to pay our claims and our responsibilities. No so. question No question about it. So, Steve, I want to come back to the 3% down, which a lot of that, a lot of the times, that's first-time homebuyer, right? So... If you are there certain programs for a first-time home buyer that allow the cost of PMI to be lower than if you were not a first-time home buyer? Yeah, I mean that's a great question as well. Obviously, uh, there are first-time home buyer programs. Mm. Um, the agencies Fannie and Freddie both have what I would call affordable lending programs. Yeah, uh, and in they got home ready, they got AMI programs. Yeah, so to the cons consumer that's listening to the loan officer, you know, it carries a lower coverage mortgage insurance. Right. requirement. So less expenses to the consumer for the mortgage insurance piece of that loan, even at 3%. So ideally, it's a great product for people looking to finance through the agencies with a low down payment. Yeah, I always wondered on that end of it, because on the lending side, what happens is if you're a first time home buyer and you fit into the bucket, right? Income restrictions and all of that. There's a lot of the loan level price adjustments that are removed from from Fannie Mae. So it gives someone a lower interest rate as a first time home buyer. But in addition to that, you guys on the mortgage insurance end are also doing it a reduced premium. Well, we're doing it as a reduced premium because agencies allow us to do it at a reduced premium. We're really providing them what they're asking for. And, you know, there is a big push here to, to provide diversified, you know, affordable housing yeah. to everybody. Yeah, all uh, the rules are 
starting to circle around that. Yeah. So, so for, you know, from an equality standpoint, yeah, that's, we're trying to get people in homes at the prices that real estate are at today. And yeah. it's difficult. So agencies look for different ways to do that and lowering the MI coverage and taking more risk on their end uh, yeah. is one way that they're doing it. And we oblige, of course. You know, just to, just to speak to that for one second, from a consumer standpoint, it's, if you're a first time home buyer right now and you qualify for first-time home buyer programs. And again, a lot of them are income restricted. So you really need to speak to, you can call me, you need to speak to your loan officer, you need to talk to somebody to understand what it is that you qualify for. But you can get a reduction in interest rate compounded with the reduction in private mortgage insurance, which can really reduce your payment in this environment. FHA also has made a recent change to reducing their cost of their mortgage insurance premium to make it more affordable for first-time home buyers. So from an administrative standpoint, there's a really strong push to get first-time home buyers into homes. But there are, Greg, and I, I'll reiterate what you said. I definitely suggest those who are listening or thinking about buying call Greg Wareham. Um, I appreciate this. that. Steve. Yeah, I mean, uh, edu- you know, an educated uh, originator is important in this environment. So uh, some others who may not understand income restrictions and the low level price adjustments that were mentioned and right. the discounts and the advantages consumers might receive from certain affordable lending products. Yeah. And this could be hundreds of dollars a month, it, which in this be. interest rate environment, it really makes a big difference from a purchasing power standpoint or just from a comfortability of payment standpoint. It does. And then, you know, as the FHA, they've always played in that, you know, 55 to 85 uh, bit premium, yep. monthly premium space. Yeah. They're lowering it for the same reasons that I think you're seeing these other affordable uh, products being advertised and being made and even some flexibility on income restrictions. Right. So, yeah. So I have another, another question for you. It just popped into my mind. Down payment assistance programs. So if someone's getting a grant from the state, does that impact their pricing at all for mortgage insurance? Yeah, no. We, I mean, mortgage, you know, the mortgage insurance providers, I can speak yeah. from the industry as a whole, we, we have no problems with down payment assistance, okay. of course. Uh, you know, there may be limitations on guidelines with borrowers on funds, depending mm-hmm. on the scenarios that you're looking at. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily impact their pricing okay uh, per se uh, a lot of those are grants with you know some type of terms that may or may not need to be repaid right um, but it's all part of the mortgage loan approval process so sure. speak to your loan originator and make sure that you know it's something that can sure. be used and I want to come back to one other thing that you had said about uh, what the agencies are looking for so your end of the business a lot of that's controlled for lack of a better way to put it by what the agencies want and what they're requiring correct yeah, I mean, <clears throat> MJC, the rest of the MIs are their largest counterparty risk provider. So, uh, yeah, we follow, we try to support, you know, what the agencies are trying to do on an any, any day given basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, without them, you know, really, we'd have a hard time making ends meet, let's put yeah. it that way, uh, relying on the portfolio lenders of the world sure. to do just mortgage insurance. So, yeah, we try to we try to do everything we can to align with what the agencies do, which Makes it a lot easier on guys like you, Greg, right? Yeah. You know, you can get an, a, a loan approved through Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. You're highly likely to get it approved for mortgage insurance as well, right. parallel-wise. I, I have to say, and I'm going to plug you, Steve, because if I have a real... there's In some situations, you can have a transaction that even Fannie Mae will approve or desktop underwrite approve. But there may be a concern with, with PMI... You're a great person to call from a mortgage origination standpoint to understand what can and can't be done 
and if there's any type of exception need or to be able to talk through the process, you really know your stuff. Well, I, I appreciate that, Greg. I know yeah. we've had those conversations, and yeah. I, you know, doing this as long as I have, I welcome those conversations up front, you know, because you're trying to give some type of soft commitment to the consumer that's calling you, home buyer's calling you with regards to whether or not the loan's going to get approved, and you got mortgage insurance, another right. another piece to the puzzle, if you will, uh, and so. Yeah, although we follow the agencies, you know, there's some subjectivity to mortgage underwriting. We both know that. Right. Uh, I think it's important to know that the underwriters that sit at MGIC are mortgage underwriters. Right. I mean, they've worked, point. In, they worked with lenders. They work with MGIC. I mean, we are mortgage professionals in general, and we want to make those loans as much as the loan originator does. Yeah. So I welcome phone calls as one of the many things that I do for those who lend in New Jersey, for sure. Yeah, well, we're certainly going to give you Steve's contact information so you can stalk him in a, in a couple of minutes here. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> so I, when you look at risk-based pricing on mortgage insurance, does the type of property impact that? And I'll give you an example. So I should say occupancy. So a second home is priced differently than, say, an investment property. With PMI, because I know in some situations you put down 15% on an investment property, but I think the PMI, is probably a lot of risk built into that. Yeah, so the property type can be priced. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that. It's a, it's a, it's a check a box on the 1003. Right. So you got primary, you got second home, you got investment. Today, MGIC doesn't insure investment properties, but we have in the past. Yep. But it is insured with a couple of the other MI providers. Mm -hmm. I would be, I'd venture to guess, I'd probably put my paycheck on it, that it's higher priced on an investment <laughs> property than it would be on a primary. Significantly. I yeah, significantly. And, and again, this goes back to risk, you know, uh, relative to the lender making the loan. Investment properties run a higher risk than they do for somebody who is living in a home and needs a place to live um, on a daily basis. So, so uh, thanks, Steve. If so, Magic is the heritage company in the mortgage insurance space since 1957. What else makes you guys different? Like, I know you're great, Steve, and you know your stuff. What, what else do you think? Well, you know what? It's a, it's a really good question, right? Because in today's environment, technology, you know, the industry as a whole, right, Greg, and you feel this too as an originator, yeah. you know, it becomes more and more commodity-based, right? You know, customer calls up, what's your interest rate? Yeah. You know, same thing, right? A loan officer says, what's your premium price? Um, but there's so much more to this industry as a whole. Right. I mean, for helping a consumer make a, maybe the biggest financial decision of their life when they take out a mortgage. Right. MJC still holds to what they were so successful with over those years. Mm. Uh, and I call that value-added sales approach where you know I make sure I understand my customers, the yeah. lenders, the credit unions, the community banks. They all do business differently. Mm -hmm. And then I try to bring value and things that might help them. I, for instance might be social media marketing assistance for one person. And it might be mm. a lender who needs an outlet for an arm product because they don't have one. Right. Can I match them up with some bank in Middle West that they can deliver to? Right. Uh, it might be staffing requirements. It might be industry insights. It might be, you know, Hispanic marketing materials. And sure. we have, you know, we, as a company, we promote home ownership through using private mortgage insurance. Right. And so we have things that we do within our marketing group that, that address the consumer. So we have a website that's strictly for the consumer, written for the consumer in both English and Spanish called readiness.com. Mm -hmm. But you also have another site that's for the mortgage professional called the Loan Officer Hub. Right. And educates them on podcasts like you have here today. Sure. We bring podcasts to them and all ty types of different value adds and different things that we do that, generally speaking, are at no cost. 
Right. And we just watch your mortgage insurance. I mean, that's really at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. So, uh, but education's the key to all of that, right? I mean, you guys do a great job educating to the consumer, to the loan officer, to the real estate agent, to whomever. Yeah. I mean, uh, training has always been a a marquee thing we've done, but we take it a step further in field sales. I mean, we'll join you on realtor, realtor, uh, presentations and discuss whatever it needs to be done. We have turnkey presentations for somebody who doesn't have a lot of resources in the marketing and that they can present a first time home buyer seminar just right. by giving me a call and I provide them a, a PowerPoint deck that they can walk through and do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's lots of things we we want, we, we believe in partnerships still today. We, believe, right. we don't believe this industry is commodity based, although we recognize that the price of our premium has to be competitive. competitive. Sure. Uh, in order to, 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 to be who we are. And you know, I consider MJC continue today still to be the leader of the industry. So Right. That's great. And it, it, if someone needed education, you know, seminar, speak in front of either customer, mortgage company, real estate agents, what's the best way to reach out to you, Steve? Cell phone. Okay. Do you mind giving the number? <clears throat> no, I don't mind at all. It's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah, safe enough to do that. Yep. 609-713-2211. Is there an email address or website that we want to give as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, my email is Steve, S-T-E-V-E, underscore Wacker, W-A-C-K-E-R, at M-G-I-C, standing for Mortgage Guarantee Insurance Corporation, dot com. So Steve Easy. underscore Wacker at M-G-I-C dot com. Our main page website, for those who are interested, is M-G-I-C dot com. That's where you'll find our pricing calculator or pricing yeah. engine. Um, and then, you know, uh, we do have those other sites for professionals and for consumers that if you call me, I'll share with you what those are. I think you'll find a lot of value in them. That's great, Steve. I really appreciate you taking the time today. I know you're busy. I know you got a couple six kids kids at home today, too. Uh, I, yeah, my, my little one is not doing so good this morning. It's a little challenging, but uh, I look forward to getting on this podcast today. I really appreciate it. It was exciting and it's good. I love to talk about this stuff. Uh, great having you, Steve. Look forward to catching up with you soon. And for everyone out there, we appreciate you taking the time today to listen. We appreciate you paying attention to what we got going on. We appreciate you. Please hit like or subscribe if you like our show. And we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham. Produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in and we look forward to catching up with you next week.